Street Talk on Lagos Talks 91.3. You're listening to The Corridors with Emmanuel Odeyemi. This is The Corridors with Emmanuel Odeyemi. Good morning and welcome to The Corridors on Lagos Talks 91.3. Let me welcome you to this exclusive interview. And my guest is none other than a former governor of Lagos State and who is also the current minister of Works and Housing. Make welcome Mr. Babatundi Raji Fashola, SN. Honorable Minister, good morning. Good morning and how are you today? Can you hear me, sir? Good morning. How are you? I can hear you. Okay. Nice to have you on the corridors uh, today. This is a very wet Saturday morning in Lagos. Well, it's very dry here in Abuja. <laughs> oh, such a contrast. All right. So um, we, we need to really manage time because we've been getting calls already. Lots and lots of messages. People want to uh, engage with you on this show. But... Um, as it is, we have only one hour. So I go straight into all of the questions, as many as we can take. And then at some point during the show, we allow people to uh, call in and ask their questions and make their comments. So it's so interesting this morning that I saw on the uh, front page of a newspaper uh, fears being raised about the national housing scheme. And the, this particular newspaper I'm talking about uh, made reference to uh, or alleged that the projects were funded by a 200 billion naira CBN facility, also raising fears about substandard structures in certain states and a whole lot of other issues. Honorable Minister, can you please bring some clarity to uh, this issue? Well, um, my attention has also been brought to it. And the first thing I'd like to say is that journalism is a profession. And like every profession, it just requires the practitioners to be very diligent in what they do. Mm. Uh, because the lack of diligence clearly provides opportunity for misinformation and so on and so forth. First, the facts are sacred. So what are the facts? The fact is that the National Housing Program is not funded by a 200 billion central bank intervention. That is not correct. Okay. So uh, we are probably talking about apples while that newspaper is talking about oranges. <laughs> the National Housing Program, as I said, when we inaugurated it in 2016-17, was a pilot program. One of the things it sought to do was to find out why, for example, uh, some housing estates that have previously been built by government were not occupied. So we went out across all the states to ask people what type of housing they wanted. So some people wanted bungalows. Some people wanted blocks of flats. Okay. And so we built based on what was culturally acceptable. Now, the problem, if any, that the program has had is that it is funded from budget and therefore when monies are released quarterly contractors go to work okay once they run out of funds they stop and wait for the next release the other point is that 
we are now in the third phase. So we finished phase one. In some states, we finished phase two. In some states, we are in the third phase. And we have all sorts of problems of local issues, compensation, vandalism, but we're solving them and houses are being built. Um, so that's, that's one. We also want to ensure that everybody who is interested gets a fair opportunity at allocation. So we are not printing forms. Okay. And therefore, we've been in the process of building a portal so that we want to create a virtual situation where if you want a house in Oyo or if you want a house in Taraba, you can virtually go to that site because we would have put photographs of the inside, the exterior, what that house you are buying looks like. And then you go online, uh, click the payment portal and select what you want, uh, make your application, send it to our back end and it will be processed. So all of these are going on while we're building. And we're almost there. So I understand people's uh, expectation uh, for delivery, and uh, but maybe that itself, the expectation provides some room for mischief. Mm-hmm. And sometimes <laughs> they say that, well, if you if you say it's not working, <laughs> yeah, but we're not wired like that. So okay, I'll see. At some point, go back to uh, that uh, answer that you have just provided, so that we can just expand on it. But let me quickly ask uh, one of the most uh, uh, dominant questions that I've gotten so far, although said in different ways, and which I had the intention of asking anyways, is that this administration has placed a lot of premium, no doubt, on infrastructure renewal and development. Now, what was the strategy on your mind when you became minister to achieve these set goals? Okay, um, first of all, let me see that I, I, I tell people to just sit back and ask themselves whether they have ever listened to the inauguration speech of any government, whether premier, prime minister, governor, president, in any part of the world where there is no part of it dedicated to infrastructure. I can't recall one such speech where the head of government, a newly formed government, has not committed to infrastructure. And there's a reason for that. Infrastructure is so critical to the quality of life of the people you want to serve. Uh, You can't live or grow better than the quality and status of your infrastructure. And so even the richest nations are committing to more infrastructure. Mm. So let's take that back to why we made this commitment, why President Buhari made this commitment. You will recall that I think it was in 2014, the then Minister for Finance, and coordinating minister under the previous administration alerted everybody that the economy was heading for a recession. Hmm. They were the managers of the economy and they sounded that alert loud and clear. So by 2015, 2016, it did not matter who became president. This economy was heading for a recession. So what then mattered really was what were the choices? What would you do? And one of the things we advised and the president accepted was all through the history of mankind, every time there is a recession, one of the ways to get out of it is large spending on infrastructure. Hmm. Because it is the most legitimate way to distribute wealth to the population. So from the day you commit to a road, 
a bridge, an airport, uh, a dam, a digital broadband rollout. So many things begin to kick in. Bear in mind that all of these things happen on land. So first, survey. Which land are you going to use? You start employing surveyors, they start working right away. Soil tests. You have design and engineering consultants. You have geologists doing soil tests, which will help them design the highway, the bridge, or whatever. By the time you are awarding contract and you are paying, money is moving through banks. Banks are also making money. Lawyers are participating, signing agreements. When construction starts, the construction companies who get the contract don't keep building materials like uh, steel reinforcement, cement, diesel, gravel, sand, lateral. They don't keep those things. So they order. Again, so businessmen begin to supply, produce, quarry starts to operate, and then you get to construction, where now labor is needed. And on construction sites, what is happening? As supplies are moving in and out, nourishment is also being provided. So people who are selling food, water, and so on. So you see the ecosystem of mm. financial opportunity. And that's why infrastructure is always so critical for every economy. When you finish building, the work doesn't stop. The building team leaves. The operation and maintenance team then starts work. And that's why it's maintenance that actually creates long and sustainable jobs to keep the asset through its uh, design life and to make it functional every time people want to use it. So when I hear some people say recently that this president can build the economy through infrastructure, clearly they've got the economics upside down. <laughs> All right. Um, Minister, if we go by what you've just said now, I would also like to approach the issue of infrastructure by talking about specifics. Now, Lagos Ibado Expressway is perhaps the most prominent in terms of uh, public attention, considering the number of years the project has been uh, ongoing from previous administrations. Now, I'd like to ask you, what is different in the way the, uh, this current administration has approached that project and how much progress, specifically as we speak, has been made? Okay, so what is different? What is different is that President Buhari didn't deceive himself. You see, in the past, there was a deception or a failure to operate with what I call the first principle. What are the basic and the fundamentals of your economy? So, in the past, there was this belief that private sector could build the road. Mm. Private sector can do many things, but private sector doesn't work with money under the pillow. They go to the banking and financial institutions to raise capital, to raise money. And then they put some of their own money, which is called the equity. The money they borrow is the debt. So now we expected to build a road worth 200 billion naira. And we expected private sector to do it. The question we did ask ourselves, which the Buhari government later came to ask is, what tells us in our history that any financial institution in Nigeria has lent 200 billion naira to one individual? Hmm. If we ask that simple question, that's why I call first principle, has it happened before? If it has not happened before, the question then is, can it happen? So the next question we should have asked then was, is there any financial institution in Nigeria that will give up to 20-year or 25-year money because the road is a 30-year asset. So you can't finance it with 
two-year loan? Again, the answer was no. The people who would do that are foreigners, either the International Finance Corporation and arm of the World Bank. And when they are doing that, they are dealing directly with governments. So it was clear that government had to be the leader on that project, not private sector. And that's mm -hmm. what has changed. So President Buhari just created what he called the Presidential Infrastructure Development Fund, picked a few projects, Lagos, Ibadan, Second Niger Bridge, Abuja, Kano Highway, the East-West Route, and said, look, where is my money coming from? Dividends from NLNG, recoveries from the Abacha era, and then saying, NSIA, manage this money. I am leading this project. If private sector wants to come, they can join us later, and we're still waiting for them. So that is what has changed. Now, as far as that road is also concerned, let me link this to the economy. Okay. People used to sleep on that road because the road was not motorable. And although we haven't finished and there are still delays today, those delays are not caused by the condition of the road. They are caused by impatient driving, accidents from overspeeding. But the truth is that essentially, the journey to Ibarra that used to take a whole day is now a few hours. Now, if you link that to the economy, this is the link. Time has been saved. And if the saying that time is money is correct, and I believe it is, there's an economic impact. Okay. Because but, if I can do a 100-kilometer journey in one hour or two hours or three hours in this part of the world, and in your part of the world, you can do it only in 10 hours, I'm going to be richer than you because I have seven extra hours to be productive. So where exactly are we on that project? And is it safe to say that this project will be completed before the end of the uh, tenure of the current administration? Where we are, is that it is a 127-kilometer road uh, broken into two contracts, Lagos to Shagamu, 44 kilometers, and the remainder from Shagamu to um, uh, Ibadan. Um, both contractors are well over 80% on their sections. Okay. The last time I checked, a cumulative distance of over 80 kilometers out of the 127 had been completed. And that was in December when I last went to inspect. I know that they're building the interchange now at, I think, kilometer 25 uh, on the on the Lagos-Shagamu end. And work is progressing on the other side towards Ibadan. They are working now. Uh, the last report was around that Guru Maharaji area. So it will be finished before the end of this administration, without a doubt. Oh. Okay. All right. So let me quickly uh, talk about the second Niger Bridge. On one of your recent inspections of the, uh, or the most recent inspection of the project, you said it was 80% done. How soon uh, are we looking at the completion of this project and uh, whether it will be handed over also before the end of the tenure of this administration? Also, can you put a value to the economic benefits to accrue uh, from the completion of this critical infrastructure? Okay, I have spoken about time, first of all. Mm -hmm. And if you drive on the existing Niger Bridge, the old Niger Bridge, uh, when traffic is at peak, um, it slows down movement. And when movement slows down, uh, you lose time. And when you lose time, you are not efficient, you are not productive. So that's one thing that's going to happen. It's going to give people a choice. And therefore, there will be two bridges across the river instead of one. Mm. That's a 
huge economic impact. Secondly, um, what you will see is that people can then plan their lives better. And an orderly life is a productive life. Uh, apart from that, that bridge, like the Lagos Ibadan Expressway and the Abuja Kanu Road, will be told eventually. So, tolling is going to create jobs for the operators, for the investors, for the people who will be employed to operate and manage these things. And then, uh, if you look at the Lekki Link Bridge now, yes, uh, it's become not only a destination. It's also become a major tourist attraction. Uh, and we are hoping that the second Niger Bridge can also compete with it in those terms. Uh, so, and when tourism kicks and you have destinations, and tourism is all really about destinations, uh, it, it's, it's almost impossible at this stage to limit the opportunities. Then more importantly, everywhere that we build a road, everywhere that we build a road, what we have seen is that land values go up. Mm. So all of the adjoining land appreciate in value by up to 30%. That is the economic benefit to the owners of the land there. That's not government's benefit. The value of your land just goes up. When you have a road, you have uh, broadband around your area, values just go up. And that can only be be helpful to the economy and to the individual landowners around the Obosi, uh, Asaba, Onicha community. So the last time I visited, the bridge was almost, there are just three points where the launching has to be completed. Okay. They tell me that all that will be completed by February next year. And so you can walk from one end of the bridge to the other end on both lanes. That will be for, completed by February or March, uh, at the latest March next year. Then the road from the Oweri interchange uh, around the Obosi area, the seven-kilometer link road. Um, but when I went there, about three kilometers has been fully completed and asphalted. The remaining uh, work is going on in terms of, you know, we're sand filling and reclaiming from the swamp there. So, but we could drive through on the on the pavement because all the uh, earthworks has been largely completed. So it's now settlement and compaction that is going on. And that should be completed uh, sometime next year as well. Okay, so because we're trying to manage time and we, we can't apparently be talking about uh, projects individually, can you give us a brief summary and update on other major projects across the length and breadth of the nation? Okay, summary. We have, at the last check, 895 contracts. Hmm. So let me be careful about that. Contracts, I said, okay. not projects. So as I told you, Lagos Ibadan, for example, we have two contractors there. So there are two different contracts. Okay. You get that? Yes. So we have 895 contracts nationwide. That translates to over 13,000 kilometers of road and bridge network. We have new bridges, some of which I've visited recently under construction, like Chacha and Yi Bridge, Loko Ueto, uh, the Umfum Bamenda Bridge linking us to Cameroon, the Ecom Bridge, the Ibi Bridge. Um, and then we have bridge maintenance also, Third Mainland Bridge, Mutala Mohammed Bridge in uh, Kogi, Koton Cafe Bridge, Tamburawa Bridge, 
uh, Independence Bridge. Um, so many bridges also under repair and maintenance. Um, and major networks uh, of road, Enugun Portakot, Enugun Onicha, uh, Kanu Katsina, uh, uh, Numan Chan to Yola, uh, Mayo Berwa to Jada, Ikom, uh, Alesi Ugeb. Uh, there is no part of Nigeria where a road project is not going on. Mm. I mean, that's a high-level summary. As, as well. <laughs> I, I think that serves the purpose for now. All right, so let's let's quickly move to housing now. And, and, and I dare say it will appear that some or majority of the Nigerians that I've spoken with and who have interacted with us several on this show have kind of lost faith in the possibility of accessing uh, federal government mortgage loans and uh, federal government housing. So uh, how much has changed under the current administration in terms of affordable housing for middle uh, low income earners okay so i think we need to separate first of all let me say that people should not lose hope let me say that okay uh, and let me also say that uh, we're talking of two things here first of all uh, we need to address the supply of houses supply and we need to separate that even though they are linked from uh, access to financial uh, services, which is the loan part. Okay. All right. So, federal government clearly cannot provide all the mortgages. It's not possible. It's not done in any federation that I know. So, if you look at Lagos, for example, Alaji Jakonde, as far back as the late 70s, early 80s, created the Lagos Building and Investment Corporation, LBIC. It's a mortgage company. So, it will be helpful if all the states had something of that nature or promoted private sector to do that. Because the truth be told, federal government really doesn't own land. It's the states that own land. So they are the ones really who can impact and drive housing. And I'm happy to say that many states are playing in the housing sector. So we must never see the housing supply or housing demand uh, as a problem only for the federal government. The states have a larger role compared to the federal government to play because they actually control the most one of the most vital ingredients for building a house, which is land. The other people who have a role to play is private sector because at the end of the day, when all is said and done, a house is just another commodity, like you want to buy a car or like you want to buy uh, any other item. So if if that's the private sector has a role in his entrepreneurship uh, drive to play in that place. And I'm happy to say that I am seeing during the life of the Gwari administration, many more people in the private sector advertising now, building houses. You see almost every day on TV now, one estate is being built, another estate is being built. You can pay instrumentally. And I think we are heading in the right direction in that sense. Um, the federal mortgage loans are a creation of law. And one of the things it creates is what is called the National Housing Fund. So that National Housing Fund is made up of contributions deducted from workers' salary. Okay. So if you don't contribute to it, it's like in your office now, they say that your staff should make a monthly contribution for their housing. Then me, that I don't work in your company, comes and draws from that money. It's not fair. 
So if you don't contribute to the National Housing Fund, don't expect to benefit from it. What we are doing now with the Federal Mortgage Bank is getting people in the private sector to also come and contribute to it. Okay. Getting our so that the basket of, of funds available to invest in mortgages is larger. And so if you bake a bigger pie, your share of that pie will certainly be a lot better and bigger. All right. So, so you mentioned uh, the, the administration of uh, Alaji Latif Jakonde, and one of the uh, main things was known for, his administration was known for, was uh, low-cost housing. Can I ask, what strategy did he adopt? And, and why is it that it appears difficult that in this age and time, it, it's not really, uh, it's not been realistic to say that we could do the same? What has changed over time? Well, one of the things that you you must know is that those houses were funded by loan, by debt. Hmm. Debt. So long after those houses were built, Lagos State Government was sued. Oh. Judgment was entered. I inherited the debt. My predecessor inherited the debt. We've paid it off. Oh. Um, but you can't question, you can't fault the reasoning the 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 uh, purpose and the 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 enduring benefits of providing shelter for people, and that's why our own administration also continued under the Lagos Homes Project to continue to provide housing. And uh, but uh, you know that Alaji Jackonde unfortunately had only four years, so a lot of things were were rushed, and uh, some of those houses need a remake. So we've learned from that. And we've improved on design and quality when we built the Lagos homes. And we continue to learn. So uh, so this, this, this is it. Uh, when you look at the first set of houses that were built under the um, uh, United Kingdom housing, public housing initiative starting in 1918, they were not of the quality of those that are being built now. So it's a continuous remaking project process. But in specific answer to your your question uh it was funded by debt hmm. okay so all right so i'll cast your mind back to uh november last year yes november 2020 uh, where you were quoted as saying the federal government was owing contractors 69 billion naira for various housing projects uh, what is the current status and how much of these housing projects are ongoing as we speak okay um the again talking about debt and you know I, I just spoke about debt for housing and that's good debt to have you see when it brings shelter and prosperity to your people that's good debt to deal with and um, so the money we're owing contractors also is a function of the work that they have done some are roofing stage some are painting stage some are uh, finishing and installation some are uh, uh, doing all sorts of things so we we accumulate those certificates until the Ministry of Finance then releases money. So when the Ministry of Finance is also going to National Assembly to get approval to borrow, this is part of what is being borrowed for, to invest in our people. So this, this is it. And I've talked to you about the entire value chain. So those contractors will get paid. When they get paid, they go and deal with their own problem. Apart from doing the work and employing people, they also have obligations from their profits they can discharge their own obligations to their family, pay their children's school fees, buy clothes, buy food, 
And so the money moves around the economy also. So all these, uh, uh, what I call home economics analysts, mm -hmm. should understand public finance. Every cobble that the federal government or indeed any government borrows ultimately comes back into circulation. Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll play a little um, devil's advocate right here. And uh, this game, which uh, I'm going to play now. Don't be the devil, don't be the devil. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to play you uh, one audio file, which is just about a minute or thereabouts, and see if you can remember uh, when or where you said it. If you can, um, I'll give you a round of applause. But if you can't, you're you are buying me dinner or lunch, whichever you, you choose, uh, before I go to my question. Honorable Minister, please listen up to this. You're listening to The Corridors with Emmanuel Odeyemi. The highway is not a shopping mall. If you want to shop, pack your car, shop, and come back onto the road. Because if all of us shop on the highway, the traffic will not move. And then the purpose of this investment will have been defeated. The sidewalk is for our own safety. All the people who pay taxes don't own cars. But they have a right to use the road. In the same way that motorists have a right to use the road. If our joint taxes built it together, should we not be using it together? So, the market men and women and the businessmen, that pedestrian walk is not a shopping plaza. Move your shop behind the drainage. We don't say you should not trade, but don't trade on the sidewalk. If you do so, you will drive the pedestrian onto the road. You will endanger his life. And your children are also pedestrians because they go to school. So these are the things that we must never do. This is The Corridors with Emmanuel Odeyemi. All right, so that was, that was the audio file. Can you remember, can you recall where and when you said this? Ah, you are a real devil. <laughs> I know that's going to be tough. All right, that was... Well, I think it was at a commissioning of a road. Probably sounds somewhere around Lekki. I'm not sure now. Ah, I won myself a dinner or a lunch. <laughs> All right, that was 2014 at the commissioning of Okiafa Bridge. And this takes me to the question I was about to ask. You've always been big on um, advocacy for good maintenance culture for public infrastructure. Now, it, it's it's always been a question of who is the bigger culprit? Is it the um, uh, members of the public or government? And, and I think that the, the blame goes both ways. But now my question is, what are the definite strategies that could be adopted to grow this culture of maintaining public infrastructure? Because as we speak, if you, are, if you have the opportunity to go back to that same bridge, I assure you, you'll be shocked at the level of decadence on that bridge. There's a sharp or a makeshift uh, structure on every part. It's always blocked. Okay, so there are two things here. Um, maintenance. And it must not be conflated with misuse or abuse. Hmm. So let me start with maintenance. Uh, I hold a very strong view that it's not a culture. Maintenance is an economy. And one of the things we did back then, which uh, 
we have persuaded President Buhari to adopt was to create a maintenance policy as a deliberate economic strategy to again create jobs and to protect uh, asset life value of, of infrastructure that we built. So in 2019, I presented a memo to council and it was very, very well received and approved of a national facility and maintenance policy. So it's already started and that's the basis upon which you see us maintaining now over 46 bridges nationwide. You see us doing maintenance in 25 federal secretariats. Each secretariat now has a facility manager under contract. Each facility manager is employing no less than 40 people. So 40 times 25 and the number is growing. We are now trying to make it a matter of uh, uh, compulsion that every ministry, every department and every agency of government must have a maintenance budget every year. So schools, courtrooms, police stations, uh, hospitals, uh, uh, um, correctional centers, all of this we have surveyed. And once the, 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 the process deepens across, across uh, ministry departments and agency, you will see a lot more people engaged in security, heating, ventilation, cooling, plumbing, uh, gardening, uh, cleaning, washing. And this is what you see in other economies. That's why sometimes in other economies, people have two, three jobs. This is how uh, it's driven. Now, no matter how well you then maintain, people must learn how to use things. And that's why I spoke about abuse or misuse. And it's a combination of continuous advocacy, as I was doing at Okiafa, telling people that the highway is not a place to trade. You have to trade behind the setback, not on the highway. So people have to learn that and understand that. And you have to also balance that with some enforcement because there are laws against street trading, mm. uh, parking in, in wrong places. So it's tough law, really. Uh, just like the way our parents deal with us in order to set us right, a lot of counseling, but sometimes the strong hand mm. of the enforcement. So it's a balance, really. And uh, the media can do a lot. Uh, one of the things we try to do, for example, in terms of overloading, uh, is to just take photographs of overloaded vehicles, which are infractions of the highway code. And sometimes you can begin to show some of these things on TV. You see people urinating in public. I would love to see a situation where the photographs are taken, name and shame, just put it on the news. And uh, so advocacy and naming and shaming and all of these things can help. Because at the end of the day, if we don't get the full value out of those assets, uh, we would have shortchanged ourselves, really. Okay. Uh, so let me, let me quickly squeeze in uh, this question and probably one more before we open up the phone lines. And now I'm going to talk about uh, this incident that happened way back in uh, January of this year when uh, a tanker conveying about 44,000 liters of diesel um, burst into flames on that road uh, that links Apapa Oshodi, Ojota, Urunshoki, and also connects the international airport was raised. That, the bridge was raised. Yes, the, that bridge. That place is called, I think, yeah. Okay, yes. goes to the airport. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Guardian newspapers. Yes. So, 
Yes, yes, exactly. Thank you, sir. All right, so it took a while before uh, the announcement came and then the commencement of repairs. What was responsible for this delay? Because it caused a lot of um, uh, issues for motorists uh, traveling that route. There was traffic delay and all of that. Okay, that was one case of classic abuse. Uh, and you saw it uh, over speeding, then create a problem. Then you hurt other road users. You damage the assets that was due to their money. You deny them of the use. You also make them spend more time on the road than they needed to. So this, this is how we hurt ourselves. But why the delay in starting the repairs? We have to go through procurement. Hmm. There's a procurement law. So every time you hear stories, oh, somebody in special arts ministry has done something, somebody has done so <laughs> we, we do our best just to follow the law so that our good intentions also don't get us into trouble. We want to do it like yesterday, but we have to follow that process. Secondly, the process of actually, after awarding the contract, then we now have the next problem. How do we mobilize to site? So two weeks ago, we had a problem, and they said they were going to shut down the road. I said, you can't shut down that road. It's a major, major outreach. So how do we do it? Let's do it over the weekend so that the contractor can mobilize to site over the weekend uh, from Friday night into Monday morning. So those are things you don't see. But we're looking at how to repair that road and reduce the adverse impact on traffic to citizens. I'm a citizen myself, and I know I'm going to leave government one day. So some of the things one tries to do is show the good example that this can be done with minimal impact. Hmm. Because one day, I won't be in government, and I expect that I will leave behind people who would have learned how to, how to provide service without hurting the people they are serving. Hmm. All right. And uh, this, this last question uh, is about Dangote Group as a business concern, which has taken up uh, refurbishment of some federal roads with um, an agreement with the federal government that comes with attendant tax reliefs in, in specific because a lot of us don't know in specifics what are the percentage reliefs that has been granted to the dangote uh, uh, company okay let me say that in government uh just like even in, in in what you're doing which is broadcasting you can't broadcast alone there's somebody behind directing mm. providing sound providing uh, all sorts of uh, support for you but who we see who we hear is you but yeah. there are people in the back room each one with a specialty and government is no different so we are on the technical side ministry of finance is on the financing side so uh what i know is that the policy is not a dangote policy it's a nigerian policy mm. anybody even individuals who can afford it once you're able to build a public infrastructure that members of the public can use, then you can apply for tax credit if you pay tax to the federal government. All right. You, you, so Dangote is impacted by that rule because it's a major evacuation route from the port to their formations across the country. Okay, so I they became interested I, in that route because their turnaround time from the port used to be three days, and it became seven days. So it was affecting their productivity, and they decided to use the policy. The NLNG is also doing the same thing in Bodo Boni. Oh, okay. And we have received two applications now, and I think I can disclose this now. MTN is showing interest. 
Glow is also showing interest. Mm. Uh, flower mills is showing interest. So we are beginning to see an uptake. So it means that this policy uh, that the president has committed to an executive order now is beginning again to take traction and some private capital investment is coming into infrastructure. All right. Thank you very much for your answer. You, I was about to ask you a follow-up uh, question, but you've already answered that. All right. So uh, for those who, have, who are listening to us or who just joined us, it's still the corridors on Lagos Talks 91.3. I've had with me um, via Zoom, if you must know, the Minister of Works and Housing, Mr. Babatunde Rajifashala, SAN. And uh, we've been talking about uh, projects in the uh, Works and Housing Ministry trying to get an update generally about what's going on and answering all the questions that you've been asking. So at this point, uh, the phone lines are open. The lines to call to join this conversation are 0809-234-5913, which is also a line for WhatsApp messages, and 0809-191-3913, 0809-222-0913, and the following landlines, 01 five one five oh nine one three and oh one five one five one nine one three lagos talks good morning yeah, hello good morning good morning good morning and good morning to the honorable minister my take on the whole thing is i've got educated more but at this issue that every day when i drive on the road i fight with people people burning refuse in the drainage on the road and when you tell them it turns to another thing for you. I had an encounter with a man, a landlord, in a corner somewhere around the Baja. Because they were laying pipes for this um, 5G, he said they violated his house. So he now put the old refuse he was burning on the hard road. Hmm. And I told him, sir, you are an elderly person. This is what younger was to do and you scold them. He said because they, 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 they stepped into his property. I said, do you know what the law says about step back to, to the drainage? They have not taken even your, your fence. It is just a line. This man was burning refuse on a tired road. I said, do you know how much it cost government to get this to this place? This man, there was nothing he didn't do to me that night. Mm-hmm. So I left. Every day I see people burning refuse. And you know fire and concrete and Tadro, they, well, they are never a friend. People don't care. People eat stuff on the road or in their car and they drop it on the road. And when you try to tell them, they tell you, what is your home? Right. So a lot of the problems are with Nigerians. We need to begin to change our attitude towards government properties and facilities. Then the civil servants themselves are also part of it. Where you are kept to be in charge of a property and you use it the way you like. See all the police vehicles. I've never seen a police chasing armed robber. But if you see their vehicle, you wonder what is going on. Hmm. Oh. So I think we all need to start oh. taking responsibilities. I don't know if I have the right to arrest somebody and hand them over to the police because this gets me angry. Okay. Every one of us keeps blaming government, but the, most of the problem is coming from the people. See, there is rain now. All the drains are blocked. All right, we have we have very limited time, so I, I need to let you go. Thank you very much for calling in, Honorable Minister. I suggest that we take uh, a few calls so that you can respond to all of them in a batch. Is that okay with you? Excellent, sir. But I I could not have uh, said it better than the caller, the first caller, responsibility, because we all assert our rights, but how many of us uh, accept our duties and our responsibilities? And it's a two-way traffic. Uh, he's spoken so eloquently, I couldn't add anything more to what he has said. 
All right, so let's take a few calls. And please, if you call in, keep your questions or your comments very, very brief because obviously we have very limited time. Lagos Talks, good morning. Good morning, Manuel. Yes. This is Malik speaking. Malik, welcome. Good morning, Honorable Minister. Good I am morning, happy sir. I'm talking to you. Um, Minister, please, oh, the formula which was closed for six months, which there are some areas that if you're passing... It's by like, what the police have because there are some parties that did not finish, they left it. Then, secondly, the Bagada Expressway that is being done by Dangote. There are some channels that he has blocked that you cannot turn left, you cannot turn into your right to link another road. You have to go to another a certain distance, which it was not like that. Thirdly, the, the way to the airport, it has been um, blocked for almost a month or two months now, and it's not up a kilometer. Have abandoned. Then, Mr. Minister, please and please, how did you walk the airport away with governor in Lagos State? Share with the colleagues. Thank you. <laughs> Lagos Talks, good morning. Lagos Talks, good morning. All right, I think. Uh, Lagos Talks, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Yes. Morning, Ima. Yes. Who's on the line with us? Um, this is I.K. I.K. Quickly. I have, um, I have two questions for um, the minister. You need to speak a little bit more uh, loud. Yes. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, Mr. Minister, good morning. Um, please, um, what is the update, current update on the... Um, um but agri expressway hmm. and and also what is again the update on um the um Agbara, um Ota highway um lustada um Atom, you know these okay. are these are very critical expressway that have been left you know to rot over the years so I want to get, you know, something concrete from you, you know. All right. Um, Thank you very much for your Thank call. You. Lagos Talks. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Have, have on the line. I'm calling from Niger. All right. There's feedback on your line. Can you please call back? Thank you. Lagos Talks. Good morning. Morning, Mr. Demi. Oh, Mr. Demi, welcome. Yes, good good morning. Good morning to the vintage minister that's uh fashion the vintage. Hmm. Very great man. But let me say this. Um it's good to work hard, but it's also good to begin to work smart. Um the honorable minister talked about nine hundred contracts, eight hundred and ninety something. I estimated it with nine hundred contracts. But you to manage 900 contracts, you need, you know, a very huge, you know, uh, computers for that management. And it's very complicated. So I think there is a need for us to, you know, uh, decentralize, you know, these uh, works to specialize and to localize. And I think unless that is done, the minister too will not even be able to sleep. You know, I, the, all that, the, we should have maintenance, you know, yards in every...
spot for a great place that people are mentioning now. Local folks can do that. Come there with their equipment and then sit. We don't have to wait till the budget or the contract is done and all of that. We reduce it to small, small contracts and then we are able to do and we will do more. And I'm sure with uh, Minister Fashola there, you know, we will be able to, you know, achieve quite a lot if we can you know, adopt that kind of principle. And, uh, yeah, this is my contribution. All right. God bless our country. Amen. Thank you. Uh, Minister, one more call in this batch, then you, you, you can respond. Okay, sir. Lagos Talks, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, and uh, good morning to the Honorable Minister. Yes. Good morning, sir. Uh, Mine is more like a kind of suggestion, right? Uh, If you look at the Lagos Ibadu Expressway, I'm talking of between Ogudu and Alakwere at the moment. The road was excavated. Some part of it was excavated, Hmm. and it has not been completed. And that is causing a huge lot of backlog, and which is a waste of manpower. Now, my question is, how do you plan to revamp the Ministry of Works so that they start doing things like, I was in Aberdeen and I saw a pothole. The next morning when I woke up and I was passing, I did not see that pothole again. So that they become very effective and be able to fix some of these small, small things before they become large things. Because that's the way me, I see it. That's just, that's just my uh, take All right. on this. Thank you very much. Uh, right. Honorable Minister, you can respond to this batch. Okay, so um, let me start from the last, and I will link it with the third question about management and being smart and all of that. Um, we are already at the final stages of developing a, a public platform called Cohims. And when we launch it, what it will do essentially is to involve people in helping us use digital platforms and their social media platforms to bring to our knowledge things that we may have missed. And I use that word advisedly, things that we may have missed. I could tell you that we have 895 contracts because we keep the record, the data is from us. And so we have them in large servers, computers, we have drawings, designs, what's going on. So we get weekly, monthly reports on every project. And that's why I can share the data with you without being in the office. Um, And in terms of decentralization, we have controllers in every state. And then in every zone, there's a director who is supervising those controllers. And then those directors are supervised by the most senior director in headquarters. So that network is there. And as we, uh, the, the gentleman who was talking about efficiency and uh, in Aberdeen and all of that, it's, it's a system and it takes time. When you look at what we have had, when I was telling somebody about the number of ministers that we have had in the country in 60 years, averagely, if you break it down, uh, only about six or so ministers have spent four, more than four years. And we've had, I think, like about 30 or so ministers, 30-something ministers in 60 years. If you break it down in straight lines, almost two years per minister, some less. So some have been ministers of work only for nine months, 
15 months is not it is not enough time to plan and to consolidate and to institutionalize but thankfully uh, a lot of that is going on now and uh, in terms of maintenance when federal roads are finally finished the maintenance responsibility passes to FEMA. And again, it's a question of how much resource, how much budget, and all of that. So it's President Buhari that is now consciously increasing how much the ministry gets, how much FEMA gets, and that's why we're able to be where we are now. Um, Badagri Expressway, Agbara Atong, we have contracts on Badagri Expressway. Work is going on. It has stalled a little, I must admit, simply because we are owing the contractor. That's the only reason. Uh, what the, the citizens must also know is that the, the, we have changed the design of the road from what it was when it was first built in the 70s from a self-draining road. We now have to construct drainage. And that's the hardest part of the road. We have to construct concrete drains. Otherwise, the road won't last because the place is now built up. So you will see drainage work going on, but I know what interests people is their experience on the pavement, but we will get there. In the dry weather, we are waiting for some money to come from the Sukuk, so we will deploy some more resources to it. In the dry season that is coming after this rains, you should see some improvement. Uh, Agbara Aton, you re might recall that I talked about some people interested in uh, private sector taking up some roads. I mentioned flour mills. So that's one of the companies working with us and the Ogun State Government to get work going on that road. We are finalizing the design standards. The Ogun State Government wants to build a part of it. Flamings wants to build a part of it. So because ultimately it is our road, we insist that it must be built to our own design standards so that it can be maintained according to those standards in future. Now, um, the blocked airport road, I think I've addressed it that Malik said about, I think that's Apakun, if I, if I, uh, my recollection is correct, then it says there are some parts of the third mainland bridge, I think that's part of the Apapa Shoki site going to Alakbere that was opened up. Just please bear with us. This is work in progress and uh, we are mindful of some of the discomfort. And as I said earlier, we try to reduce it, but sometimes we are just caught between a rock and a hard place and it becomes inevitable. When it becomes inevitable, there's nothing that we can do. We just have to close or do the repairs at some discomfort and try to do it very quickly. Um, Third Mainland Bridge, uh, people might not know. Uh, the first thing was to deal with the driving surface, the pavement, as the engineers call it. But that surface you drive on and the expansion joints that was creating uh, jarring sounds when your car crosses there. All that has been resolved. The next thing was to provide bearings. All the bridges sit on bearings, which allow some movement so that they don't crack. That has been done, but work hasn't finished on that bridge. There's work going on under the bridge, underwater, because some of the, uh, uh, the concrete work, the pile caps have been damaged by boats colliding with them. So that repair is going on. So we haven't left the third mainland bridge. We just finished the most important part to the public. And so it's not as if we have abandoned it. And uh, those parts that we miss, we will do a reconnaissance again and, and get on with it. 
All right. I think those are the questions. <clears throat> yes, yes, those are the questions. All right, so based on the uh, messages I'm getting, interestingly, some of them look like threats <laughs> because people want to ask their questions and we can't possibly take all the questions. My producer, Eluwa Kayode, has been gracious enough. Uh, we, we, we seek the consent of the Honorable Minister to extend this by another, like, 10 minutes so that we can take a little bit more questions on the phone lines and messages. If it's okay with the Honorable Minister. Certainly it is. It is. I mean, those we serve deserve to, to know... <laughs> as much as we can share with them so i'm fine with that thank you thank you all right so uh, we take <laughs> a few messages first before we go back to the phone lines this one says uh, no name on it actually what is government's plan towards damages caused by accidents to road poles medians etc because vehicle owners should be charged for their repairs that's uh, question number one then Babatide from Obalindi says, we must agree that housing is not just another household level consumer choice, a commodity or an investment within the free market system. Housing is a basic need and a right. Um, he says, Your Excellency, it will interest you to know that this test will be often used to measure the warmth. Okay, sorry, I missed this. Housing policies will therefore often provide a remarkable litmus test for the values of politicians at every level of office and of the varied communities that influence them. Your Excellency, it will interest you to know that this test will be often used to measure the warmth or coldness of heart of the more affluent and secure towards families of a lower socioeconomic status. All right. One other question, Ari from Yaba says, please ask BRF why it seems the National Housing Fund seems more accessible to core ministry staff in FCT and not parastatals. And why the insistence on C of O to access the mortgage? And then Oi from Finland says, are there any housing projects like that of the estates built by the late Jakondi administration? Honorable Minister, you have the floor. Okay, I know that housing is a very passionate issue and I don't dismiss it, but I think that we... We, one point I, I did not make that I will make now, and which I often make, is that we must distinguish first between ownership and rental. So, um, let, us, let us start from there. What government certainly uh, must seek to achieve is to put shelter over people's heads. And unfortunately, no government in the world has achieved full shelter. Every part of the world that I have been to, there are still homeless people. Hmm. Every part of the world that I have been to, there are homeless people. And in some of the places that I may not have been to where there is no homelessness and, and uh, um, there is no 100% ownership, so we must focus on renter. So the person who unfortunately may not have income. How is he supposed to pay rent? So what mm. government owes that person first is to find him a job to earn income. And that's why I kept talking about infrastructure and the economy and employment. When you have a job, then you can begin to talk about get on the housing ladder. And usually the first place people where people get on the housing ladder is rent. Now, who owns those rented houses? It's not government. And that's why you have seen me advocating that we must stop these two, three years rent in advance. Mm. It's unconscionable. And it really hurts everybody, including the landlord. 
because the cost is passed through the economy. And I venture to say that the day we start collecting, we match rent with income in the sense that I pay my rent at the end of the month when I get paid. The pressure and the temperature in this nation will come down. Things will suddenly, I venture to say, become cheaper. Life will become less stressful as it is in other parts of the world. Well, whether it's weekly you get paid, you pay your rent at the end of the week. Now, I know that landlords have had some difficult experience with tenants, but I've suggested, and my suggestion is not foolproof, ask the employer to give you a, 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 an undertaking that he will deduct that rent and pay so you don't have a defaulting uh, tenant. And the employer should then let you know if for any reason he's going to dismiss that staff, that this staff is going. So these things can be worked out if there is the first step to say, let's reduce from three years or, or, or two years to maybe even three months. Let's start there. Let's start six months. We started one year in Lagos. And this is where some of the politicians, and, and I've argued it, state houses of assembly must begin to be interested in making laws that make rent payment easy for their people. So hmm. to the person who talked about rent, housing, this, this is where the emotional connection is. So um, in terms of asking for COO for mortgages, that's the security against the loan you are taking. So the house you want to buy, they must be titled to it. And that's why we are issuing COOs as far as the, the concern, the concern uh, uh, federal government title. There is no week. This week, I have signed over 100. There is no week. I don't sign at least 100. We usually over 5,000 in the last three years. So this is also to make, make that process uh, more efficient. The Federal Highways Act or, uh, uh, provides that uh, the uh, motorists or commuters who damage uh, public assets uh, can be uh, prosecuted for the criminal sanctions. They can also be sued for the cost of repairs. Right now, uh, I am insisting that uh, one truck driver who damaged uh, the bridge uh, on uh, Lagos Ibadan deliberately and willfully. We arrested him. We are prosecuting him. And you will get updates. I've asked the director of LEGA to ensure that we use this as an example. But uh, again, it's all of us really. Uh, do you want to continue to catch people or do you want to make people more compliant and more caring and more concerned about other road users? And that's what really makes, gives us the kind of society I think we want. All right, uh, uh, we'll go back to the phone lines now for another batch. Uh, just quick questions uh, from our listeners. Lagos Talks, good morning. Hello, good morning. Emmanuel, good morning. Please, um, please. my own um, pleading is, if, um, in developed countries, people have access to credit. Africa is the only place where you want to buy a house of 50 million and they expect you to pay within two months. They will give you a ridiculous deal that and uh, pay 30% and spread remaining community within three, um, two or three years. This means you have to be paying like $5 million a month. And when you talk of landlords, there are some, there are some developers that borrow money, and they have to pay. They have mm. to pay by the banks. So if the, the honorable minister can uh, ask with the minister of finance, let them talk to all these banks. All these things will, will, will fall. In developed countries, you have mortgages of 25 years, 30 years. 
So when it comes to civil servants, they are now, uh, I think they, are, they have access to 15 million uh, housing, whatever, whatever. Where in Nigeria, Lagos, Ogun State, Abuja, that you buy a property for 15 million, it is not reasonable. Mm. So first of all, we have to talk of credit. Then, no, I think the banks or the financiers, then talk about credit. Even the even in Lagos State, they'll tell you it's a low low cost housing estate. They tell you it's forty million, fifty million. When the minimum um, 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 salary is eighteen eighteen thousand, so that's where corruption comes in. That's where lack of um, um, empathy comes in. Okay. So if the banks can help, the minister and minister of finance can compel these banks. Okay. You can do mortgage of twenty five years. That won't kill anybody. All right, all right. Thank you very much for your call. Lagos Talks. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Honorable Minister. Good morning. Yeah, sir. let me continue. Oh, this connection is bad. Let me continue from what the, guy, the last guy said. Please make it very fast. The we are out of time. The government can come up with what we call federal government guaranteed loan. Federal government guaranteed loan. Only for first-time homeowners. So... Unless, I cannot say this in under one minute or two, is there any way I can be able to reach the minister and give him this idea so that they can turn the economy of this country around? Forward your, forward your message the, to our WhatsApp platform. On the you. maintenance of road, we will have to come with way to the The police must be issuing tickets, speeding, speeding tickets, uh, whatever tickets. In Europe, in America, everywhere, police issue tickets and 100% of those monies go to the maintenance of the roads. When you have accident there, your insurance must fix the road. All right, all right. So, all right. That is, so I don't know, help me, how I can help you so that you can use this uh, housing sector and whatever, okay. create millions of jobs and turn this economy around. You drop your suggestions you know, on our WhatsApp, on, on, our, on the WhatsApp the, uh, number. Anchor there, how I can reach you and give you this information. Drop. You guys are trying your best. Okay, drop you your, know, drop your message on our doing. WhatsApp platform, please. One last call. Lagos Talks. Hello, are you there? Hello, good morning. Good morning. Yes, my name is Ola Dineji. I'm calling from Abapa. You, you have 30 seconds, please. Uh, good morning, Honorable uh, Minister. Good morning, now, sir. Now, um, I want to quickly say, for the benefit of those that do not know, there is actually a mortgage loan. Personally, I'm enjoying one, even at 6% interest. It's just that some people do not know. Now, I'm just saying that for the benefit of those who do not know. All right. My question is this. Okay. When the Honorable Minister is the governor of Lagos State, there is a template he uses that works for him. If you see anything in Lagos State, then there are some numbers that there are text messages only. Some are WhatsApp only. And if you send message to that number, we are rest assured that in the next 24 hours, we'll get response. I've done it before. When we Minister was talking. I did it and it worked like wonderful. I sent text message and in less than 24 hours, I oh, get it. All right. I need to let you go. All right, because uh, people apparently <laughs> want to ask so many questions, but we don't have that luxury. Honorable Minister, can you quickly respond to this one? 
Okay, very good. Let me start from the last caller again. At least uh, um, it's refreshing that uh, somebody is owning up to benefiting. And as I always say, the uh, the passion with which we complain when it's not working, we must also use the same passion to acknowledge when it is working. And I'm happy that somebody, as I've said, is that mortgages have been issued and somebody has come up to say, yes, it's a beneficiary. Um, so in terms of speeding and enforcement and all of that, and, and as I've said earlier, is a combination of enlightenment, education okay. right from primary school, so all of these things have to be built into our curriculum. They have to be taught in religious places. Those were the, those were the vacuums that I think religious institutions have, have vacated that they must repossess. Uh, behavior, morality, uh, self-discipline. And so it's not just enforcement, but even that enforcement that he's talking about, Nigeria is on the way. Because when I hear this in developed countries, they have their own problems too. Yes, we are a developing economy, but when you hear governments talking about NIN, BVN, that is the foundation upon which ticketing and enforcement is built because they don't want to be blocking you on the highway and they can track you down. And that is the basis also for urban planning, that you don't just build a house without approval so that everything from land to identity, everybody is identifiable. We don't have anonymous citizens anymore. They can track you by your phone, by your vehicle registration, and so on and so forth. And this is this is a work in progress. We certainly will get there because we have taken all the big steps that will take us there inevitably. Um, again, in terms of credit, you see, yes, government has responsibility to impact credit through its fiscal and monetary policy. But there are two clear lines there. Monetary policy relating to interest rate and all of that is set by the Central Bank of Nigeria, not by the Minister of Finance. And it is driven by largely regulation and also demand and supply. So if you want to put your... And the banks won't lend money that they didn't receive. So it is our deposit. So if we want the interest rate to come down, apart from what the CBN can do through regulation, is how much interest are we depositors asking for? So the banks will only lend what they have mm. because they must lend it at profit. Otherwise, they, are, they will be unable to return the money when we want it back. So there are signs of an economy that is evolving. And uh, I am optimistic that it will get to the desired levels of expectation. Oh, th thank you very much, uh, Honorable Minister Works and Housing, Mr. Abatunri Rajifashola. Thank you for joining us on the corridors today. Thank you very much, Imano, for having me. All right. And for the man who said he had um, uh, impute to, uh, to give to the minister, you can drop it on our WhatsApp uh, platform, and I'll show you that the message will be uh, delivered uh, immediately. All right. So everybody... Take text messages. So if they had my, my number is out there, I still take text messages. I still got one from Makodi last night about uh, this thing. So, and that Kohim's platform, that's what it will do eventually so that people can reach us 
more efficiently. Okay, okay. All right, to so everybody that called in and we couldn't take your call, we apologize. It's, it's seemingly impossible to take all those calls. Uh, so this is where we drop the cutting on the interview uh, for today. It's been a pleasure talking to the Honorable Minister. And this is where we end the breakfast show on Lagos Stocks 91.3, as well as The Corridors. We'll be back next Saturday at 11 a.m., God willing. And then we continue the conversation to make Nigeria and Lagos State a better place. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone.